So I've been talking a lot about the execution ideas in Hest and the programming model and what Hest is offering to people who want to write software and, and thinking about how that'll all work. And there's another huge aspect to the Hest project that I have barely talked about at all. And I want to start doing episodes about that half. And so if you are here because you are interested in the programming language design or the programming tooling design, this might not be as immediately interesting to you, but I think it will be interesting insofar as it is a requirement for doing a lot of the things that I'm doing for Hest. And if you want to explore similar things in your own work, and I wholeheartedly encourage everyone to do that, um, it is useful to know about this side of the project as well. And that is rendering and the graphics technology behind the Hest program. So I'm going to start doing some episodes where I talk about the way that I've built the Hest engine and, and the tool and the graphics decisions that I'm making and how those interact with the programming model. So there will be some crossover there between this sort of uh, graphics-y, engineering-y focused discussion and the, and the design discussion about the language itself and the execution model. So I think there will be some interest there either way. So as a starting point for this conversation, I'm going to compare it to another fantastic project that I'm sure you're all familiar with, and that is Glamorous Toolkit, uh, which is a programming system that is built on top of the Faro Smalltalk environment. And I, I believe that's correct. If I, if I have that wrong, I apologize greatly. But the point is, it's a Smalltalk with a ton of extra work and thought put into the user interface and and the way that you do programming in that system. And it unlocks a lot of really interesting styles of visualization. And so it's this neat hybrid of text programming and visual programming. And there's a ton that you can do to introspect on the system that you've built and to ask the toolkit questions about your software. And it will provide views that sort of answer those questions. And you can do a lot of interesting sort of meta programming at the tool layer to create these views that show you interesting aspects and dynamics in the program that you're building. And so it's a very, very neat approach to programmer tooling. Um, so that's the glamorous toolkit. And one of the fundamental design decisions that they made when building their toolkit was that they wanted one render tree. And that's something that they've written blog posts about this. Uh, I will put a link to a blog post about it in the description for this episode in the show notes. Uh, but this one rendering tree idea is neat because I am doing something similar in Hest, but I'm doing it in a different way. And so I want to talk very briefly about what they're doing. And then I want to talk about what I'm doing because I think this is an interesting space. How do you solve these problems? So the, the problem to be solved is that you want to build a programming system that is graphical and you want that programming system to give you a lot of flexibility in what the graphics are doing. And so as an example of that, in Glamorous Toolkit, they have typical text views for their text-based parts of the programming language. And you write text, and it's got syntax highlighting, and it's got you know line wrapping. It's a, it's a normal text editor, but it's in a little 
panel that you can move around, a little floating, you know, um, not like a window, but within a large window, you can have these panels with code on them kind of arranged in space. And there are some neat projects out there that are doing work like that. There's one called Natto that's quite cool. And it's a, it's a, it's a, an area that is seeing a lot of exploration, and I love that. And what they want to be able to do within Glamorous Toolkit is they want to be able to draw annotations on top of that text view that can interact with the way that the text view is rendered. And so if you have two of these text views side by side, you might want to be able to create a feature, a, a debugging view within Glamorous Toolkit. You, the programmer writing the software, might be, want to be able to add this feature so that it can draw a line connecting, say, all the uses of an abstraction in one of the views and that same abstraction in the other view. So if there's some shared class or some shared function or something like that between those, you might want the the Glamorous Toolkit system to be able to draw a line from one side to the other to show you that, hey, these two things are a reference to the same the same abstraction. And in order to be able to do that, the graphics context that is doing that line drawing needs to be able to see into the graphics context that is doing the text rendering. And if that text rendering context was just some sort of opaque, you know, operating system provided text field, you might not be able to get the information out of it that you need to draw those kind of annotations. You might not be able to ask the the text view, hey, where is, not just where is this string of text being rendered, but where is this string that is a reference to a specific construct in the execution uh, model? You know, because it's not just the letters that you're typing, it's like those letters represent a specific thing. So you might have, you know, uh, two variables with the same name, but that reference different objects in memory. And so you wouldn't want those two things to have a line between them because it's, yeah, they have the same name in text, but they represent different things in memory. So you want your your text system to be able to um, make available information about itself in a way that the the graphics context that is drawing these annotations, these lines or these highlights or whatever it is, that it's able to work in that same space. And it's it's sort of about having one notion of of space that everything operates in. And you're going to start hearing some things that might sound like things I've talked about in this podcast before. Uh, and as another example, this isn't in Glamorous Toolkit, but in video games, you'll have your 3D world where Mario's running around and jumping and that kind of stuff. And that has one notion of space, one XYZ set of coordinates for all the objects in that world. And then you have your user interface on the screen, which is usually just a two-dimensional thing, and it might have an X and a Y, you know, and it's relative to the screen being rendered out to the to the monitor or the TV that you're looking at when you play the game. And those are two separate notions of space. And so you don't often see in video games something where there'll be like a line that starts in the user interface and goes out into the world because then you're crossing these two separate rendering contexts. And you can, of course, build a game that allows for that. It's just common to kind of keep those as separate things because the way that they're both rendered is very different. The, the 3D world is going to go through a ton of stuff on the GPU and a ton of processing, and you don't necessarily want to put your user interface through all of that same processing. For example, because you might want to dynamically scale the pixel resolution that your 3D world is being rendered at to um, compensate for 
performance characteristics of the computer that's playing the game. So you might, if your computer is not very good, you might want to dynamically reduce the resolution that your 3D world is being rendered at if you get to a complex environment. So that way you don't lose frame rate. Um, so your frame rate is maintained. You're doing 60 frames per second or whatever, but we just lower the resolution a little bit because that's a, a less noticeable cost. Uh, are a way to pay the cost of the of the increased complexity, but you don't want your user interface to drop in resolution because that would be very distracting. If the little text that says, you know, what weapon you have equipped or whatever suddenly gets more pixelated, that's going to be much more noticeable than if this very complex textured scene with tons of detail were to drop in pixel resolution a little bit. It's less noticeable. And, and there are more systems in place for hiding that drop in resolution. So you have two separate rendering worlds, the user interface and the 3D world. And crossing those, having some some user interface element that points to a specific thing on the screen space interface and then points to a specific thing in the world space of the 3D scene, um, you don't see that very often because that's crossing these two worlds. So that's that idea of wanting one rendering tree. That's what Glamorous Toolkit wants is one rendering tree so that you can have that ability for any visual element anywhere, whether it's text or a graphic or a pane or an annotation or whatever, to be something that other things in Glamorous Toolkit can refer to spatially. In Hest, I also want to do that, but I want to take a slightly different approach to it for performance reasons. And the reason for that is that I am building Hest, first of all, as a system that runs in the browser. So it's implemented in CoffeeScript, one of my favorite programming languages, which generates JavaScript. And there's a little bit of HTML, you know, to just set things up and get things going. And there's a little bit of CSS for some of the UI and that sort of thing. But it's, it's in the current prototypes, it's based on web technologies because the company that I'm making this for ships stuff on the web. And so anything that I build, the end result of building it needs to go on the web. And since I want Hest to be user editable, that there is a mode that you can get into and, and make changes and make edits, and that, that I'm kind of intending for that to be a part of the experience that we ship to our end customers, you know, the, the full tool set of Hest needs to be available anywhere where a Hest program might run. And so it's going to go on the web, so it's built on the web. But I don't want to just design it for the web in mind. I'd like to leave open the possibility of building, you know, a native Mac app because I'm, I'm a huge Mac guy, love the Mac, have been on a Mac since I was, you know, a toddler in the 1980s. And so I would love to someday have my first Mac app that I build be a Hest editor. I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, but I'm also aware of the fact that there are new paradigms for user interfaces coming. We have mobile and we have maybe VR is coming and there's, you know, spatial computing, uh, interfaces and, and views that are being experimented with all the time. And so I want to leave open the possibility that there would be other ways of working with Hest. And another goal that I have in mind, along with wanting that portability of the editor, is that because the editor should be portable, the programs should also be portable. So building a program that runs on the web, if there's a, let's say, a VR version of Hest, that same program that you've built that runs on the web and is editable on the web should be runnable in VR and editable in VR. And so that means that any decisions that I make about the way that rendering happens need to be portable. So that's one constraint. So that kind of, you know, 
there are easy ways to solve that, like saying, well, I just define my own uh, rendering abstraction, and then on any platform, I have to do a concrete implementation of how that abstraction is handled. So it might be that, you know, in 2D on the web, all of the edges and paths are just drawn using the Canvas API, and they're just 2D lines and circles and that kind of thing. But in VR, maybe it's 3D, and I just, you know, extrude those paths as you know, just extruded cylindrical uh, shapes and, and the points are spheres or something like that. Um, there, there are ways to have an abstract graphics representation. The extra twist on this is, um, and the extra challenge that I am biting off on this already, you know, modestly ambitious project, is that I want there to be the ability to specialize the graphics for the environment that you're building your software for. Um, because just because my goal as the creator of Hest is to allow there to be editors on multiple platforms and programs that are portable across those multiple platforms doesn't mean that users of Hest to build software should have to pay a cost for that. So it shouldn't be that they are only limited to expressing graphics that are possible within the graphics abstraction that I create. There should totally be the ability to use whatever native graphics capabilities are available within whichever environment they're creating their program. And if they move that program to another environment, Hest should do a best effort to facilitate that portability, but it shouldn't be expected that, you know, if if there's a, a version of Hest that is built on top of Unity and that lets you drop down and do some specialized Unity shaders, that I need some way to port those shaders over to a version of Hest that is generating SVG-based graphics on the web. So there needs to be a delineation between the parts of the graphics that are portable and the parts of the graphics that are specialized to a specific environment. So there's that constraint, which runs counter to the one rendering tree idea that Glamorous Toolkit has. And, and the one rendering tree idea is very useful and is something that I also want to facilitate within Hest. I want to allow for there to be a, sort of a meta programming level of creating your own visual user interface elements to aid you as a programmer to introspect on the program that you're building. And as a as an example of that, the user interface of Hest is built with Hest so far. So I have this user interface around the screen with a big slider for time and a, and a property inspector for editing objects and a tools panel and all of that. And all of that is built with Hest primitives using Hest's rendering tech just as a way of making sure that I'm dogfooding that stuff. So this episode, I think, is running long. I'm going to stop it here. And then in the next episode, I'm going to talk about the approach that I'm taking to kind of squaring this circle of having both the one rendering tree benefits, uh, but also allowing for portability and uh, reuse, but also allowing for specialization.